Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 9th, and we're going to be talking about some of our favorite investing tools. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Fool.com Bureau Chief and my good friend, Michael Douglas. Honored to be here, Dylan. Yeah, I don't know if listeners have caught on to this yet, but anytime that I'm talking about something that is not expressly tech related, <laughs> you kind of work your way onto the show somehow. Yeah, well, because it's it's funny because um, when we get listener questions that are like not specifically tech related, and Dylan's like, "Oh, you know, I'll put up my hand to take that. I, I'll kind of meerkat, you know, sort of like look up from my desk and be like, "Hey, Dylan, you wanna you wanna do that one together? It'll be fun." I get it. You long for the days where you used to host the show. Not one of them, but two. Not two of them. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, we, we bring you back here and there. I, I I appreciate it. You know, keep you in the mix. I've been I've been out to pasture for a long time. Uh, things have gotten a lot. You know, everyone who does it uh, has done such a fantastic job. Uh, so it's really fun to come back from time to time. And we're happy to have you. Um, you queued it up a little bit. We're talking about a listener question we got here from Peter on today's show. And this is a submission we received on a form we have pinned to the top of our Twitter feed. So if you ever have anything you want us to hit and you forget our email, industryfocus at fool.com, you can always go to Twitter and just drop something into the Google form there. And one more time, that's industryfocus at fool.com or check it out on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. So Peter wrote in I would love, love, love a show on what apps, online tools, and metrics you find valuable when finding and evaluating companies. And I think the way that we wanted to handle this was just kind of looking at different resources that are freely available to the average person um, that don't require some expensive subscription. Because here at The Fool, you know, we, we have relationships with YCharts, we have relationships with Capital IQ. Those are expensive services for the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is a lot of that information is available to anybody. It's just that those services do a good job of organizing it for you. Right. So if you want to find it, Chances are it's out there. You just need to be looking in the right place. Right. So why don't we start with what I consider information resources? So these are kind of like large databases and places where companies have to file information in most cases. Um, I think the biggest one out there by far, the one that most investors are familiar with, is Edgar. Edgar is not some friend. <laughs> Edgar is <laughs> maybe like the largest information resource for publicly traded companies. Uh, do you know what Edgar stands for, Michael? Why? Well, yes, I do. It's Electronic Data Gathering Analysis and Retrieval, Dylan. Everyone did, knows that. <laughs> did, did, did you look that up right before the question? Of course I looked that up. <laughs> and of course I did too. Does that not sound like the most named in the 90s internet thing ever? Well, it sounds sort of like any time. It, it feels a lot of the time like when the government decides to name something with a cool acronym. I mean, I don't even remember what the Patriot Act acronym stands Patriot is an acronym. It actually stands for, you know, like providing something tools. I don't know. But. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the government sort of has a lot of fun with this from time to time. Yes. Uh, they, they seem to have a very good job creating acronyms that make it sound like something a lot more interesting than it is. Um, but basically, Edgar is something that collects all of the publicly traded info, all the information on publicly traded companies that they need to file. Yep. So, um, in a lot of cases, that's um, things like uh, your 10Ks, which are your annual reports for US based businesses, your 10Qs, which are quarterly reports, which are, you know, these, these reports. In particular, just contain a wealth of information. I mean, uh, most 10Ks that I've looked at are 100 plus pages, just to give you a sense. And then they have to kind of document just from top to bottom, like, hey, here's what our business does. Here's how we organize it. Here's why we organize it that way. Here are the threats. Here are the opportunities. Here's what the year over year numbers look like. Here's our balance sheet. Here's our income statement. Here's our cash flow. I mean, it's, it's almost overload uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but if you know what you're looking for, then it is an incredible resource for very quickly getting to uh, the the answers you need. 
And really, those are the types of things that, as kind of qualitative and looking at the core business mm-hmm. style investors that we are here at the Fool, um, are super important. You know, I know that um, maybe Peter was looking for some kind of metrics-based stuff. I know, you know, if you are more in the technical realm with how you look at a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about on today's show, won't be as relevant to you. Yep. But all, everything we talk about is really going to be geared towards getting more information, more commentary about what's going on with a business. And, and they're all available for you. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize, looking at another resource, is if you have a brokerage account with one of the major brokers, so like I have a Merrill Lynch account, as do you, yep. right? Um, you have a wealth of gated research available to you, and most people just don't even think to look there. Yeah, and and and, and you know, it's not just Merrill; it's also you know your Fidelities, <clears throat> uh, your TD Ameritrades. Like all of these folks have like all kinds of 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 really good research that can be helpful. And so I, you know, you, you talked a little bit about uh, us being qualitative investors. Um, you know. Looking at you know specific numbers and sort of like understanding like revenue was up twenty percent year over year whatever for uh, a company, um, but when you're looking for context for that, these analyst reports that you usually get for free as part of being a brokerage member are just enormous um, because they they can just give you you know you have somebody who really knows the space like they are the you know the biotech analyst for whoever or the retail analyst uh, or part of a team and um, and they give you just kind of all of that. All of their take, like, hey, here's where we see the business going. Here are the opportunities. Here are the things that are really happening, so that you can kind of take that information from that 10k and really distill it down to the important things. Because when you have a 100 plus page document on a business, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's less important and a lot of stuff that's more important. Um, and what you really want to do is be able to kind of crystallize down to that really important stuff, and then you know, kind of follow that. And this this research that you get in your brokerage um, can be really helpful for that. And very often those research notes are widely reported on, mm-hmm. and you'll see them, you know, whether it's on Fool.com or on many of the other investing uh, websites out there. You'll see analysts kind of talking about analysts' work, and um, that's great. It's kind of a nice, you know, like little appetizer for that coverage. But the reality is, it's a lot better to look at the primary coverage mm-hmm. because if you're looking at something that has been distilled down and then maybe recontextualized. It's a secondhand perspective on things, right? Um, and from from someone who you know really pays attention to it on a daily basis, um, and, and that's the that's the real um, for for me. Like when I'm trying to understand what's going on um, with a particular business, you know, I start by kind of looking at the numbers and figuring out how they organize themselves and all that kind of stuff. And then one of my next things is to try to understand the context, get the color behind it. Analyst notes can be really helpful for that. So can. Company presentations. Company presentations. And that's why I think going to the investor relations website for these businesses is huge. And it is such an underappreciated asset that the average investor has at their fingertips. How did I tee that up for you? So well. Oh, it's it's almost like we outlined the show. <laughs> it's almost like I've done this before in the past <laughs> a couple of times. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the investor relations website is just huge. And, and like, honestly, like, pick a, pick a publicly traded company, Google name of company, uh, investor presentation, and Odds are pretty good if it's at least in the S and P or you know something along that size um, that they'll have a PowerPoint deck that's like 50 slides where they just explain how they think about the business in a in a really user friendly way with lots of visuals. <laughs> you didn't know that I did this because I sent you an earlier version of our notes, but I I did that as as an example. So if you go to Twister uh, Twitter's IR page. Um, for the most recent quarter, you have their conference call webcast, mm-hmm. which you can listen to, which uh, is which is awesome. By yeah, the way. which is management 
giving commentary on the most recent financial results. Yeah. Um, you have the shareholder letter. You have earnings press release. You have the slide presentation, which often gets into a lot of non-GAAP things, which can be particularly important for some of these tech companies. Mm-hmm. And then you have the selected company metrics and financials. That is a ton of information to go through, and it's all right there for you. So, um, for most major companies, you will have that breadth of information. It's going to be there. Yeah, and <clears throat> and and for me, um, you know, just just to emphasize two things, you know, again, that color, getting that color about the the company management, explaining to you how they think about their company. Um, as they're basically explaining it to analysts, the analysts who are writing these reports, that's so helpful in terms of, uh, again, kind of understanding how they think about things and how the company is competing. Um, additionally, you know, during the webcast, um, there are usually questions asked by analysts. Oh my gosh, like what a wealth of information! Because at that point, you know, you you have your management team no longer on script. It's just people are asking them questions and they're answering and. And I've found that that is one of the best ways for me to really understand what's going on in business. If an analyst thinks that something is worth bringing up, eh, sometimes it's not, right? Uh, certainly from our uh, way of investing. But sometimes it really is so helpful, so probative in terms of really understanding how the business works. Probative, what a great word. Thank you. Um, if you do not feel like listening to the conference call webcast, there, there is an outlet out there that does a pretty good job of making transcripts available. We will call them a competitor. Because they operate in the same space as us, but I have to say, I think Seeking Alpha does a really great job um, making company conference call transcripts available. Yeah, um, and and you know, it's one of those things where, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that the companies themselves don't just provide a transcript of their some do. of their calls. Yeah, but but I'm I'm surprised it's not everybody because it's a relatively you know easy thing to do for one call. I, you know, Seeking Alpha does it for thousands of companies, so it's a little bit more of an undertaking there. Yeah. So and and the nice thing about having the written out transcript. Is you can control F for exactly what you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas if you're looking, if you're listening to the webcast, you're basically stuck listening to like a 45 minute thing, right? Trying you're, to find the key things that you're trying to. Was you that know, a minute 20? On. Maybe minute 23? You know, oh, yeah. found it. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of a wild goose chase. So um, thanks to Seeking Alpha for doing that because it's a nice resource. Absolutely. One thing that I added late uh, to to the discussion here that you don't know that I'm going to bring up is Ooh, exciting is don't um, don't forget about your local library, because uh, something that is super powerful that a lot of people don't even realize they have access to uh, are the major research journals that are available through their local libraries. Um, I grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, and the BCCLS, which is the Bergen County Cooperative Library System, it's how they, they pool all of their resources among the county libraries, uh, has access to research databases like EBSCOhost. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want access to things like Consumer Reports or Fortune Magazine, you can often find articles there uh, without a subscription. So, um, the same goes for people that have access to university resources. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a current college student or you're a faculty member, or maybe you're paying for someone's tuition right now, ask them about their login. It's a nice way to get some some very premium information uh, on the cheap. Yeah, and <clears throat> well, not not that cheap if you're paying tuition. But that's that's true. <laughs> you're, you're you're paying a pretty penny for it. But um, yeah, and uh, I've even heard of some universities who give their alumni um, access to uh, certain things just after they've after they've graduated. So there's a lot of opportunity there. It's a really um, there's a lot of great stuff out there, particularly in terms of kind of mindset and understanding kind of broadly like investing uh, behavior and um, uh, psychology. Kind of flipping it over to tools and screeners, because this is something that we wanted to hit mm-hmm. with the question we received. Um, before we get too far into it, I will plug one thing uh, that David G. mentioned on his Rule Breaker Investing podcast. Uh, I don't know 
if a lot of IF listeners do listen to that show, I'm assuming they do. Just it, it's a fantastic show. Like, strongly recommend. If, if you aren't, give it a shot. I mean, it's it's the man behind most of the great stock picks from the, the Motley Fool. Um, but he plugged buyupside.com's stock returns calculator uh, as a tool that he really likes. I think it was from an episode back in April. Mm-hmm. And um, the thought here is just, it's something that helps you account for splits, special dividends, etc. over the life of a stock. And it actually gives you the annualized returns that, that come from that stock, which is often a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you are looking for those types of calculations, great tool there. Um, I know that we also have some financial calculators on Fool.com that mm-hmm. are a nice resource. I think it's a little bit more your realm. You want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, so, ours uh, have tended to be more along the lines of kind of your personal finance uh, thinking. So, um, if I'm saving X amount, like how much will I have at retirement? Um, you know, assuming certain things, inflation, and kind of all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, it's it's really helpful in terms of kind of budgeting and thinking through. Um, what your long-term cash flow may look like when when you're actually kind of thinking about your retirement scenarios, um, we have some uh, s- some that are all, some calculators that are also useful for stocks specifically. So check it out, fool.com/calculators, um, and there's a, a lot of information there and a lot of good stuff. And, and what we try to do um, for most of the calculators is kind of have an article uh, published about each of them so that you can kind of understand how we think about each calculator and the puts and takes as you're thinking about how to use that and, and what that could mean. It's a lot more helpful than just having numbers spit out at you. Right, because <laughs> context matters. Um, looking at some of the other outlets out there, uh, I think MarketWatch has a pretty good simple screener. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think screeners are only as good as whether they have the specific metric you're looking at. So, right. so it might be that you need to check out a couple different ones. Uh, I think Yahoo Finance also has a pretty solid stock screener. One of the things I like about that one is that it updates in real time as you filter down, mm-hmm. so you can kind of see what you're working with for a list. Um, for as much as I like Google Finance for some things, I think it's amazing for news aggregation and kind of basic charts and mock portfolios, things like that. The stock screener never seems to work for me. I don't know if that's something that you run into, Michael, but I continue to have troubles with that one. Gosh, to be honest, I haven't used Google Finance's stock screener much. Uh, I, to, to be honest, I, I regularly use my brokerages, Merrill's, um, and so that's another thing. Is to kind of going back to that brokerage conversation. Most of them have some kind of stro- stock screening tool to help you sort of like, okay, I'm looking for dividend stocks that yield three percent and more. A lot of brokerages will have that kind of information, or you know, I recognize that my portfolio is 100% in energy. Maybe I want to diversify a little bit, right? So let me look for highly rated stocks that are in tech or in biotech or in uh, wherever. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Again, depending on your brokerage, but most of them, this is a pretty standard thing for them to have a lot of stock screeners you can use. Yeah, I think it's kind of easy to groan about the seven dollars you pay per trade with the brokerages. Right. And if you never use any of these resources that come along, um, you, you wouldn't appreciate the fact that you're paying for it. But the reality is, that's where your seven dollars are going, right? Like, right. you might as well consider it a transaction because it is, and um, and you might as well get as much value out of the service that you're paying for as possible. Absolutely, uh, Michael. Before I let you go, any other metrics, tools, interesting little hacks to get information? Sure. Uh, so I've always enjoyed uh, using Morningstar. Um, this was particularly the case when I was really new to investing before I came to the Fool and before I had access to kind of all the cool stuff that we have. But um, you know, when I'm <clears throat> looking at um, a particular company on Morningstar, uh, usually they'll have uh, kind of this key stats area, and they'll kind of say, "Oh, you know, is this green or red?" Um, like essentially, like it, you know, 
is the is the PE ratio lower than uh, other competitors in the industry? You know, is uh, return on assets or return on equity higher? And listen, I don't believe too strongly in metrics based investing. Like I think metrics often miss a lot of the story, and you really have to understand that color and really understand um, how good management is at what they're doing because numbers can't tell you that always. Um, I think really bad numbers may indicate a bad management, but but in a lot of ways, good numbers can mask real problems. Um, and I I think all investors have their stories of kind of stocks that have had that issue. Um, but it's just really helpful in terms of just a quick benchmark. Like, oh, okay, I'm looking at this company. It seems super expensive, but when I'm benchmarking against the uh, the industry, it's actually like pretty average. Um, uh, valuation. So, okay, that's very helpful. And I think the the story that you see with what we highlighted here in terms of resources and metrics and uh, the different screeners that are available and things like that is it's a blend, right? Yeah. You want to understand what's going on with the business. You want to understand management's commentary on the business. It's almost more important than the numbers. The numbers are there, and and you need to know them and be briefed on what's going on quarter to quarter, so you can see the trends as well. But um, but really, it comes down to doing the kind of the hard research, which is a lot of reading, as it turns out. Yes, and it's interesting because I think all too often the numbers obscure the true story. Um, and so, if you can understand kind of the arc of where this business is going, that will tell you so much more than how big their dividend is today, or or what percentage of the market they control today. Um, what's really going to be interesting is what what does ten years from now look like? And I think that's where that storytelling can can come into play. And and, and all too often. And this happened to me, certainly, particularly early on, but I'm sure still does from time to time today. Um, I think all too often investors will focus on a particular number and just, just, oh, okay, you know, that's the valuation, like that's fine, um, and instead kind of miss what the opportunity looks like, and that's the real chance to get your five and ten and, gosh, even hundred baggers. I'm gonna have to work the numbers obscure the true story into the title or description of the show because it is <laughs> such a good catch-all for what we just talked about, um, Michael. We got to wrap up. Anything else before I let you go? I think that's the main stuff. It was a pleasure having you on again. Yeah, it was, it was fun to be here. Thanks, Don. <laughs> well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions, or if you just want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet at us or tweet at us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com/podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you for Anne Henry for doing everything she does behind the glass. For Michael Douglas, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening to Fool On. Fool On.